All right, welcome back, everyone. We are here for another episode. Uh, it is Gareth here, joined by Carl, as always. And we're going to just kind of go straight in from last week's show because we finished off with an interesting conversation where we, we were t- basically we were talking about fast food. <laughs> and then, I, as I do, I like to pick out the tiniest, as you described it, something like me picking out the tiniest minuscule piece of information from a from an example and then trying to trying to make a new conversation out of it so we decided that we'd talk a little bit about that today the basic idea is that we have to be able to know when living in the black and white of life is useful and when it's not and that's kind of my interpretation of kind of what we said and where we're following on to and it's about there's this this gray point of life that sometimes is really useful and other times it's not. Other times we do need to be black and white in our approach. And, and tied into that is in that gray bit of life is also, in my opinion, where forgiveness comes in. Because we have to understand we're on this like spectrum. Um, and you know, we were talking about fast food and we were talking about you know, the, the habits that, that we have in our, within our ecosystem. But I think it spans across pretty much every bit of life. If, I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah, a hundred. Yes, of course. Uh, and and maybe I mean, we live in very delicate, very sensitive times right now. And and I I hope no one's having a reaction to our use of saying that we live in the black and the white. That's not to suggest that one or the other is is. Anyways, I, but what you and I have talked about over the over the years, Gareth is and the terms are interchangeable, living in absolutes. Absolute success or absolute failure, absolute achievement or absolute catastrophe, you know. So the, and I shared an example before we started recording, but arguably fitness, fitness, finance, and perhaps overall health are three key markers that 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 create that absolute ecosystem and you know if you look at fitness as an example there's there has to be more conversations revolving around forgiveness because you're in a in a lifelong journey, in a six-month journey, in a one-year journey, you're going to have follies. You're going to screw up. You're going to dive into a bucket of KFC. You're going to skip a workout. And, and you have to forgive yourself for those moments and avoid the temptation of catastrophizing. You know, So I think that's, that's what we were alluding to. Mm. Yeah, you, you put that really well probably better than I did. So thanks for that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I think, I think fitness is a big one. I think nutrition is a big one. I think, um, and again, we talked about this a lot, like it's about the metrics and, and I agree that forgiveness is something that needs to be talked about, but I'd also challenge that is fitness is forgiveness only a thing because of the ridiculous metrics that we set ourselves. 
So do we need to forgive ourselves for those things or do we need to accept that? And I'm going to use your KFC because it makes me laugh. The KFC example, um, because I actually don't like fried chicken. I'm like one of the only people um, apparently who doesn't like that for my uh, for my indulgence. But if I could hang up this this meeting right now, like if there's just a single button, I I would end this call and, and likely this friendship. Who doesn't like fried chicken, man? Yeah, I yeah, I don't know what it is, um, but I, I could put I could put baked. Let goods. me guess. If I threw a piece of haddock in front of you, <laughs> you'd demolish it, though, right? Yeah. Um, Wrap yeah. it in some newspaper, cover it in some of that good lead-based ink. <laughs> yep, delicious. That's your, that's your childhood. Mm. Some salt and vinegar on there. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sorry, I interrupted. <laughs> no, no, I was just going to say, you know, if you if you I, I replace KFC with baked goods or you know whatever it is right we have we have things that we indulge in and this is a conversation i have a lot when i'm coaching with clients and and because we're using nutrition as an example i think it's it it, it really fits in what we're saying is do we need forgiveness or do we need acceptance because and this might just be for one topic it might be everything i'm sure we'll figure it out between us but as i say to people there's the acceptance that you were having a social gathering and you had some wine. Like, do you need to forgive yourself for those couple of glasses of wine or forgive yourself for that dessert? Because that would that would suggest that if we're forgiving ourselves, there should be guilt associated to it. In my opinion, there shouldn't be guilt around it because in this is very gray, what we were talking about, the very gray of life is nutrition isn't black and white. There's not good food and bad food. So I'm having bad food, I have to forgive myself. Might be a little bit different when we're talking about other parts of life that maybe are a bit more absolute, but it, it part of me thinks that it's, it's acceptance that we need and maybe acceptance is forgiveness and maybe forgiveness is acceptance. Well, it, I, I've, I just had a thought and, and to my knowledge, I'm usually present for most of my thoughts. And to my knowledge, I haven't had this thought before. Maybe Maybe another way to look at it, and we're throwing a lot of adjectives out here, so bear with us. It seems to me, and this just occurred to me, it seems to me that the word forgiveness implies the thing has happened. So it's post-facto. Maybe the conversation needs to also include the word permission. So you're going to a Christmas party and you are going to give yourself permission to have wine and baked goods and to overindulge. You're going to give yourself permission to stay up late and maybe not hit your sleep metrics. You're going to give yourself permission to go to a greasy spoon the next morning and skip your workout. If you've given yourself permission, ergo, if you are the driver of your life, not the tourist, if you've given yourself preemptive permission to make certain choices, then that maybe forgoes the need to look for forgiveness, to look within for forgiveness. And then the flip side to that is, If it's something that is out of your control and it's an event influenced by the world around you or the ecosystem that surrounds you, 
and something happens that you therefore have to manage, it, it then becomes a different ask of yourself. And that ask is of forgiveness or acceptance. And I, I respect those two words are very interchangeable. Maybe we're just getting caught up in lexicon here, but I think they would evoke the same thoughts for most people. So this is just a, a bit of a revelation for me. This is a bit of a catharsis. And I shared a story with you last night, sitting on the sofa. I had, I'm pretty on point with my nutrition day to day. And last night I completely went off the rails and, and, and ate probably 300 grams of sugar in the form of chocolate and candy and bottle caps and the like. And because it wasn't a premeditated thought that I had constructed, because it never occurred to me to give myself permission to do that, I have spent the vast majority of today looking for forgiveness within myself. So there's an interesting, interesting perspective. And we've talked about this over the years. Oftentimes, an experience or a dilemma can be altered by the lens. So maybe instead of looking for the lens of forgiveness, we need to allow ourselves to look through the lens of permission. I I love that. And I love that we we've just created that in, you know, 10 minutes of of going through, you know, our thought for the show today, because that's what it's all about. It, you know, we talk about it all the time and we don't necessarily reference it all the time, but the the conversations we have, right? They're the, you know, as we say, right, that's the vision. The conversation's the vision. We're moving towards this evolved version of ourselves. And these conversations are literally like you're everyone listening right now, you're witness to one of the many, many hundreds and thousands of conversations that we've, you know, we've had. And this is how we come up with these things. Like we don't just pull them out of thin air. Like we have to work through it. And, and I love that everyone is getting to hear that right now as it goes through process. Can I, can I ask you, can I interject? Mm, I yeah. apologize. I want to ask you a question and, and, and I'd like you to, I always want you to be honest. I would like you to try and be not your usual pragmatic self. Having said that, of course, if that's your honest answer, then I, I, I'll, I'll strive to accept it. If you look at the bulk of, uh, I hesitate to use the word decisions, uh, moments in, in your day, in your week, in your month, based on what we've just discussed, do you find yourself more often having internal conversations asking or providing permission to yourself or do you find yourself more often having internal conversations asking or giving forgiveness incredible question uh, and i'm glad you interjected with that i would say we'll say recently i'm going to say probably in the last three to five years. And that's really hard because I haven't really thought about it that much. I would say now I'm in a place of permission and acceptance in the way I operate my life. 35 years, I was doing the opposite. 
I was I was struggling through life trying to figure out what the right decisions were to to get where I wanted to go, whatever that was, whatever goal, whatever, you know, whatever path I was on at the time and forget forever getting it wrong and asking myself for permission. Oh, I messed this up. I need to forgive myself. Oh, I made a mistake there. And that that has removed has been removed through, you know, me evolving as a person over the last few years. Yes, I still do it. However, now I'm at the point where there's a lot more acceptance and permission. And that has allowed me to be a lot less absolute. Well articulated. We're very complimentary of each other. I think one of the key defining, I know you love metrics, and whether I like to admit it or not, so do I. I think one of the key defining metrics is first, perhaps understanding the difference. And maybe it's not difference, maybe it's co cohabitation of choice versus mistake. A choice can equal a mistake. But at the time you make the choice, you may not know the outcome. So when you make the choice, there may be there may be a grain of permission involved. And if that choice ends up being fruitful, forgiveness will never be needed. If that choice ends up being a mistake, permission may also equal forgiveness. So I just want to stress they are not mutually exclusive. Just because you give yourself permission does not indemnify you from screwing up and still needing forgiveness and vice versa. You could be talented at forgiving yourself or those around you, but you could live in an ecosystem where you're never proactively asking for permission, ergo the first 35 years of your life. Mm. Yeah, I, I, like, I like that it's all kind of, it's kind of interchangeable and it's a... It, you know, and ironically, it kind of links exactly to what an ecosystem is, because that's exactly that, right? It's interchangeable, all bits are connected. And that so that talks to, you know, all of these conversations we're having. I like the word choice. And I think that's important. And I think about this from, you know, we spoke about nutrition a lot today and kind of, you know, the the, the physical habits, if you like. However, if you look at it from a business standpoint, I think about that from starting a business and running a business is you have to make a lot of choices when you're starting a business, when you're building a business, and there is risk involved with every choice for the most part. Because if you go ahead and, you know, so I go ahead and run a promotion and it doesn't work and I don't hit my goals, there's a risk involved. If I decide to create a new product and no one buys it, and I actually went through this about a year ago, um, and I had to make a choice. Do I do A, do I do B? There's risk involved. And I got out to the end of it and it was very easy. And I did find myself slipping into this place after a few months where I'm like, you idiot, like, why did you make that decision? Like that was a terrible. And then I realized if I didn't make that choice and what it actually led me to was going back to school, doing some restudying and launching a product that we actually needed, as opposed to what I was the safe bet, which is what I took initially. So I made a choice on a safe bet. There was a little bit of risk. And at the end of it, I realized, and this is something else that links into this conversation is, is the word failure, because this comes up a lot and, the, and, a, and something that I use a lot in my coaching conversations is all that is, is just feedback. You can fail at stuff, but it's not, it's not as hard and fast as that. It's not a big red stop sign. It's, a, it's just feedback. You did this. It didn't go so well. It, you made a mistake through the choice you made. Now, what can you learn from it? And that's something that I went through in my business that I've literally, 
I don't think I've ever, and not that I can remember because I can't remember everything, but in the last however many years of being in a job and being in a career, have I ever been able to do that? Have I ever been able to make such a big, a big failure and then say, what can I learn from this? And where am I going to go with it? And if it wasn't for having a coach of my own, I don't know that I would ever have got there. And I hadn't, I, I can't remember a time I've ever done that. Well, this is, uh, this is going to sound a, a little bit like a greeting card, but something I work hard on allowing myself to accept is, and, and literally in the word itself, in the word forgive, there's a gift. You are, there's, there's a giving of something. So if, if you can accept, and I'm being a bit playful with my words, but if you can accept the gift that exists within forgiveness, I think you get to the point that you did last year. You screwed up, but unbeknownst to you when you made the decision, it, it led to, it resulted in a poor choice. But because you gave yourself the ability to feel forgiveness, the gift of that forgiveness was a whole new chapter of your business. And in business, in relationships, in fitness, in, in your own narcissism, in eating too much candy or sleeping in or whatever the countless number of examples are, there's, there's, there's always the potential to have the experience that you had. And I think very few of us are able to realize that. Yeah. Well, I, I, I wasn't for 95% of my life. So probably more than that, 99%. Yeah. It's so powerful. And, and that's something that I didn't necessarily link to this conversation, but it's becoming apparent to me now. And it, and it's, we kind of talked about, you know, the absolutes and, you know, we, we gave the color example, cause it's kind of that spectrum, like the rainbow, right? Like you've got the shades either end and then you've got the, and we said about the gray, um, something else I spoke about a, a long time ago on another podcast episode was actually that gray is, it would suggest that that's kind of like the dull bit. And actually it's not, it's the colorful bit because it's where life is. And, you know, so we kind of, you know, and I, I joked that I, you know, coined a, a, a phrase that was to live in the color. And I think we need to live in the color, but more so know that that color is like a, it's color, the color of life outside the black and white or the absolutes, but picture it like a, picture it like a painter's, I don't even know what you even call it, where you put all the paint. What's it called? Like the tray with all the different colors. The palette. In. The palette. Okay. Yeah. Clearly intellectual over here. So the palette, and then think about what the palette looks like, you know, for when a painter's had, you know, it's done 400 paintings, 4,000 paintings, what it looks like when it's been washed and beat up and all the colors are all mashed up in there. Like that's life. And it makes me think about another quote, which is, you know, you know, life is really like the messy middle of those absolutes. And, and that's where we live. It's messy, but it's also colorful. And it's where, where life happens. And, and I'll add something to that. The absolutes are lonely. Uh, if I reflect on chapters of my life where I did not give myself, and you've been a phenomenal 
conduit for me to live in the gray. But for many years, I, I lived in the absolutes. And, and it's a lonely place to be. I found myself being, I was very unrelatable. You, everything I did, I did to 10. And, and I always had 10 things on the go, doing everything to 10, rot in, in loathing and disdain when they didn't work out. And, and it just, it, you create these insulated little islands that you live in when you live in those absolutes and nobody can access you. Nobody can get to you when you're on those absolutes. What, when you're somewhere in the middle and, 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 you know, we're not necessarily, we'll get to linear in a, in a moment, but so I'm not referring to middle by linear, but when you're somewhere in the middle, when you're somewhere where where it is balanced and healthy and and supported and surrounded by people that are also existing in in that middle space there's a brotherhood and a camaraderie and there's love and acceptance you know the the poles are a scary place to be man so that that's God, I wish I knew this when I was 20, 30, 40, but you've got to live through it. You know, it, for me, it was to slay this metaphor even more. It, it took me 30 years to migrate from the pole to the equator. You know, right in the equator is that happy place where everything's gorgeous. And, and 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 it took me a long time to migrate from that yeah that's a great a great visual i think for for everyone to think of it like that like little tiny islands and you know and how as you said how isolated that can be and you know you could refer that to a to an ecosystem right like think about how well something functions when it's connected right like think about the infrastructure of a country and the supply chain and you know think about all those countries and let's use like europe as an example where everything's interconnected that's going to be a lot easier to navigate than the tiny island out in the middle of the Pacific somewhere. That's going to be really hard. Like, are you going to be able to get there? Yeah, but it's going to be absolutes, right? Um, you know, because it's only going to be someone flying stuff in on a plane to drop it off once a month or whatever it might be, right? Just as an example. So it, it kind of relates there. Something that I think is really interesting that you spoke about those, you know, again, the absolutes and how, you know, when you're out there, it's lonely and it's hard. It, it, it's also, I also think the emotional state connected with those places is, is also absolute. And it's also very extreme because oh, dude, it's huge, you hit right? the nail on the head. So, so many lows. And I'm, I'm not going to use, I'm not going to state it as depression, as a, as an actual, you know, an actual medical issue, but just states of feeling depressed or feeling blue or feeling low. They're, they're way more extreme when you're in, you know, you're further yeah. you are to the end of the spectrum, but the same is the opposite. And you got to think about this with why people are looking for constant hits of, you know, dopamine, and they're looking for things to stimulate themselves. And, you know, this might also be addictive substances and things like that, that give those extremes because it's sometimes it's the only way to get to the other end of that extreme. So they're just, so somebody might just be going from really, really low lows to really, really high highs and skipping everything in the middle. And sometimes, you know, we, we've got to find, you know, 
un, un, let's call them not a natural um, expression of that emotion. We're using a substance. We're using something else to get there. So, and I don't know, you know, I'm no doctor and I'm not, you know, qualified to talk about mental health, but that in my head is how I kind of see that, right? Is those, I'm trying to help people get into the middle when I'm coaching because I want them away from those two extremes. Yeah, man. Well, look, dude, if, if you're on the edge, you've only got one direction you can go. So if, if you are living in an absolute based ecosystem and it's, those absolutes are amplified by even more variables, whether it's mental health, whether it's addiction, whether it's isolation. If, you've, if you're amplifying the absolutes even more and you're right on that edge, I mean, I think it's akin to what's easier, walking down a sidewalk or walking down a tightrope? The absolute is, you know, the black and the white, that's, that's walking on that tightrope. Now, where this becomes inherently more complex is there's a lot of people, and this is what you have to identify for yourself and within your own ecosystem, there's a lot of people that have become very talented at walking tightropes. I'm being metaphorical. Well, of course, there's literal tightrope walkers, but there's people that have become very talented at walking the tightropes. And one of the things that I feel you referenced dopamine, you know, the, the endless scrolling is the snapshot that we're consuming on various social platforms is we're looking at snapshots of people that are portraying themselves as tightrope walkers, the best shape of anyone on earth, the sexiest man alive, the wealthiest person, the this, the that, the the fastest to do that. We so we're we're getting these little snapshots of tightrope walkers, and then we're saying to ourselves, well, why the hell I can't I do that? And then we try it, and because we're right on that edge, you fall off. So man, give me a sidewalk any day of the week. I was on a tightrope for 15 years and it's terrifying and lonely. Give me a double wide sidewalk any day of the week. Mm. I'll, I'll happily cruise down the middle, man. I, I love that. The whole sidewalk and it gives such a great, you, you, and it's something I appreciate about you is you give such a good visual representation to what we're talking about. So many people are visual based learners. And I appreciate that you were listening to a podcast. So there's probably some auditory learners out there too, but a lot of people are visual and, and can pit, really picture that. And it gives you this, like, it gave me a real visceral reaction. I'm like, I don't want to be on a tight walk. It's terrifying. Like I'm dead or alive. Right. Yeah. As opposed to that, that, that sidewalk. So people can really feel that. And, and that's important from an emotional standpoint. Uh, something else that comes up for me with that. It, and I'm not sure if this is the first time I'm thinking of this, the, the gray, the messy middle, the, the sidewalk, whatever you want to refer to it as, is there is a high, a high amount of uncertainty in that space. And, that, and, and what that equals for me is we, are, we struggle as human beings to control the messy middle, the sidewalk, right? Think about a literal sidewalk. 
you don't know who's on there. There's, you know, someone's walking along, someone's dog's taking a crap on the sidewalk. There's people walking the wrong direction. There's food all over the floor, whatever it is. There's, there's lampposts to navigate. It, you have to be in that space. There's not, you can't control everything. However, if you're on a tightrope suspended in the air and there's nothing but you and the tightrope and there's nothing else to affect you and it's a calm, still day, if you are skilled at it, there's nothing stopping you. You have 100% control and you're in control. So whatever happens is down to you. And it's kind of almost can be a bit of a get out of jail free card because then you, and then the same on the other end, right? Like whatever end of the spectrum that tightrope's on. What I've been able to, to, to realize over you know many years is if I can't let go of control, I can't be in on the sidewalk. Right. So that was just, and, and as I said, it was a bit messy because it just came to me, but it makes me think that the absolutes come from our need to control all the aspects of our life, thinking that that's how we get wherever it is we're going. Absolutely. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes, I agree. Well, what is what are the and and insert disclaimer? I also am not a doctor or a psychologist, but you and I both have children, so we've we've obviously through osmosis we've absorbed the psychology that is our children over the years. And what's one of the things that, that a lot of psychologists would agree on children learn the most when they make a mess, you know, and, and that's, I am, I am literally regurgitating your words. It's the, the messy part of life is where the experiences are. But I, I, I wonder, sorry, but is not the word. And I wonder, and we're, we're, maybe really starting to bastardize what was a, quite a shiny metaphor a minute ago. I wonder though, are there instances where we can choose or maybe give ourselves permission to go on a tightrope, but instead of it being over this cavernous abyss, death on each side, what if the tightrope is, is just six inches above our sidewalk? So are there moments in our lives, are there experiences in our lives, and, and there's just one that comes to mind, you know, I, I, I started hunting. I started scuba diving. These are all things that I, you know, started in my 40s. Uh, changing a job. Uh, um, someone that goes vegan. You know, these are all fairly absolute decisions. I wonder if there's an opportunity to also acknowledge there are still tightrope walking experiences in the sidewalk of life. Yes, I would, I would agree that there are, and I'm not sure if this aligns, if we're on the same page, but I'll, I'll share what it makes me think about. So I did a, an education for my group coaching a couple of weeks back, and I presented it as a feeling optimal pyramid. 
So just imagine a, a pyramid and you've got the three points of this pyramid, right? And, and feeling optimal is one. And then, and, and just for the purpose of what I did the education on, there was performance was one point and then fat loss was another point. And what I was sharing with them is you can go towards that point. So this is the tightrope. You can go towards extreme fat loss. I'm going to use a fitness competitor who's getting shredded to go out on stage. You can move towards that. And if you're, if you're using education and you're being mindful, you can move closer to that. But what you have to understand is you will move further away from the other two points. So this are, these are performance and feeling optimal. If you move towards feeling optimal all the time, maybe you move away from performance and, and vice versa. If you're working on performance, you're, you move away from fat loss, et cetera. You move away from feeling optimal. My point is, if you can be aware, so when you're moving to tightrope choices, tightrope activities, whatever it is, you have to be aware that those come with sacrifices. And I think if you can be aware that they come with sacrifices, so use your example of somebody going vegan. Okay, the sacrifice is it's going to make your life more challenging. And that's fact. It's harder to go out for a meal. It's harder to make choices. It's harder to have somebody cook for you. But it's a sacrifice. You can move towards that tightrope or that point of the pyramid. You just have to be aware that it will move you away from the other things. I think people will lack the awareness of what they sacrifice when they try and get on the tightrope. Yeah. I think that aligns. Yeah, I think we're kind of on the same page. I, I believe we are. And 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 yeah, I think we can I think we can end there. Uh, maybe not I'm not suggesting end the show, but it, I think we can we agree. And I, I hope I hope that the listeners through the quagmire of what we just of what we just covered, that you can extrapolate who you are and what you are on in your own ecosystem. And I think I lied. Last thing I'll say, you know, with, with the mantra of surround yourself, the, an ecosystem filled with tightrope walkers probably does not have a balance of sidewalk walkers that, that all are cohesive I, I don't i think the ecosystems would be defined by by the gray or the absolutes at, at least over a long period of time so it it's an interesting experiment some some homework to to the listeners to the homework might be to perform you know a rudimentary audit of of your own life fitness income relationships physical health mental health whatever the variables are that are important to you in your own evolutionary ecosystem perform a little audit of your own life and try to understand in in which of the measurable categories are you walking on a tightrope completely isolated with no margin for error, you're in the black and the white, you're in the absolute death on both sides, metaphorical death on both sides. And what areas of your life are you just simply puttering down the sidewalk? And it begs the question, at least it does for me, it begs the question, there may also be an opportunity to invert some of those measurables 
Maybe there's parts of your life where you're being a lazy prick and you need to get on that tightrope. Maybe there's parts of your life where you need to have ultimate consequence to your left and to your right. And that's what motivates you. And that's what creates discipline to hit one of those, you know, tertiary points on, on your, on your triangle. And then alternatively, maybe there's other areas, maybe you're a workaholic and you work a hundred hours a week. Maybe it's time to get off that workaholic tightrope, get on the sidewalk and hold your family's hands and walk together through it in that middle space. I literally have nothing to add, and I mean that. <laughs> but I have massively enjoyed this, and we'll, we'll wrap it up there. But I like that we, I kind of see these conversations sometimes as like a, is like a, a conversation in your head that's just happening out loud. So I hope everyone appreciates that and, and is able to kind of work through it with us while they're listening along. Um, well, Gareth, I have, I have moderately enjoyed this. <laughs> No absolutes. All right. Fine. No. Nope. No. Nope. I I have not massively enjoyed it. I've moderately enjoyed it. I've I've enjoyed it to a perfectly healthy amount. Nice. Well, in that case, uh we'll say thanks for listening and tuning in. Uh, as always, share the episode, share the podcast with someone that you know might benefit from it because it makes a big difference to get the conversation out there to more people. Uh that's it for this week and we'll catch you uh on next week's show. Thanks, everyone. Bye for now.